This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. So, yeah, so I want to fulfil life. I don't know about you. I mean, I've got, my, what have I got? 70 years, 80 years, my fitness level, maybe 50. So I don't know. But no, I mean, I don't know how many years I've got, but I want to fulfil life. And God promises me a fulfil life, which is absolutely fantastic. But the promise, uh, the promise comes with a little bit of a, a condition. Uh, well, I think it does anyway. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Because see, what happened is that we have a, a, a design and we have a purpose. Um, what's this purpose for? Cup of tea. That's right, a cup of tea. Now, look how, how posh is that. This was an engagement present that I think my mother bought me, I've got to be honest. Have I ever used it? Of course I have. Um, no, but this is an engagement present, and isn't it lush? Um, you know, obviously, it's not cups and saucers days uh, anymore. But this has a purpose, doesn't it? So what happened, you see, is at the beginning of the, of the world, when God created it, he had a plan, he had a purpose, uh, and that was to create man, and that it was all going to be perfect and lovely. But Adam and Eve, kind of Satan had a different plan, and Adam and Eve, as we know, got tempted, and things got a little bit upside down, back to front, and started to kind of look a bit messy, and we couldn't kind of get it right anymore. But you know what the good thing is? Jesus came, and when he came, he turned things back up the right way around. So when you come to God, you are no longer as something that cannot be used by God. You are no longer, I mean, that is absolutely useless, isn't it? Let's be honest, for a cup of tea. I wouldn't want a cup of tea in that. Or, you know, if we did that. But that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to turn our lives upside down so that, we can't, that God cannot use us anymore. But when you accept Jesus into your life, that's what he does. He puts you back to where he was originally intending you to be so that you can be used for God. But you know this little a teacup it's no good if that little teacup suddenly decides to want to make me a bolognese is it yeah what's that little teacup for tea okay so that little teacup is designed and has been purposed to make me a cup of tea well not make me a cup of tea serve me a cup of tea a teapot is made to actually make the cup of tea and the kettle my slow cooker, which unfortunately I cracked this week, can you believe it? I don't know what to do anymore. But my slow cooker is designed to make me a chicken every now and again. My cooker is designed to make me food. Now, if my cooker suddenly decides it wants to be a fridge, it kind of don't work, does it? Yeah? And we have all been made and designed for a purpose. And that purpose is your purpose. And that's what I want to talk to you a bit about today. You see... If we know our purpose, then we will have a life that is abundant. If we know our purpose, we will have a life that overflows. And if we know our purpose, we will know goodness and mercy following us. Mm -hmm. We have a choice to walk in our purpose, or we have a choice to do what we want. And that's what I want to talk to you a little bit uh, about today. Who likes jigsaws? Do you? I hate jigsaws. I absolutely hate them with a passion. And unfortunately, I had kids that loved jigsaws and a husband, actually, that loves jigsaws. But our jigsaw person in our house was Fionn. Now, she had jigsaws that, um, as obviously, as she got older, we had the kind of four-piece. I can cope with a four-piece jigsaw, and maybe up to a ten-piece, but when it gets any higher, it's like, I have not got the patience. So she used to have a jigsaw, then, I don't know if you've got them, the ones where um, the actual pieces of the picture on both sides, 
So obviously you've got to first of all work out which side you're going to use, and then obviously when you're looking at the pieces, they're, they're difficult. She had jigsaws that kind of worked into a ball. But have you seen those, the, the kiddie ones? She had jigsaws then that actually, which probably was one of the hardest ones she had, is that the picture on the box, which is supposed to be what you're building, the picture on the box was actually what you, what you had to produce was what the people on the box were seeing. Do you know what I mean? So you were doing kind of not this bit that was shown, you would do a having to do that bit. So you had to kind of work it out and put it together. Um, and, well, it just used to do my head in. I used to come back from work and the, the box, you know those carrying boxes that you carry your jigsaws round in? I mean, who wants to do that? But, hey. So that was out. And once that was out, I was like, oh, no. Because what I would get is, oh, ma'am, come and help me. Oh, ma'am, come and help I can't find this piece. I can't find that piece. Do you start in the middle or do you start on the edges? Edges. I don't start. I just don't like it. Okay, so. But the most difficult jigsaw in the world, okay, apparently, is this one. Now, who wants to go that one? Every, there's a thousand pieces there, and none of those pieces are the same, obviously, because you've got the gradient. So, this is, so it's a thousand colours, it's called, if you want to go and buy it. It's very expensive, actually. It was 80-odd quid. Uh, it's been designed by Clemens Habich. Thanks for that, Clements. Um, each of the thousand pieces are a different colour and it's based on the Spectrum, the CMYK model that stands for cyan, magenta, yellow and key. You know, the, you know the three colour circles that you do if you ever do art and design. So who'd have, who'd have a go with that? Yeah? I wouldn't. <laughs> what's the most annoying thing about a jigsaw, though? If you are into jigsaws, what's the most annoying thing? Missing pieces. Exactly. Lisa Bevere once said, when talking about the purpose of God, so there is a reason for this, if you do not bring your piece of the puzzle, the picture will not be complete. You are an imperative and priceless piece of God's puzzle. Let's hone in on what we were created to conquer so that we can complete the beautiful picture he has laid out for us. And that's what I want to talk to you in the few minutes that we've got this morning about your purpose uh, in God. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which is what Philip read this morning, isn't it? But this is the bit which God prepared in advance for us to do. So guys, you've got a mission, if you choose to accept it. But you know the best thing? It's not mission impossible, it is mission Possible, absolutely, mission possible. But the most important thing is, is God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, God has given us a job to do. He has given you a purpose. We have been crafted with a purpose. He had marvellous plans set out for you since before the beginning of time. Yeah? Yeah? Before the beginning of time. Not before the beginning of your time. God had marvellous plans for you before the beginning of time. You are uniquely special. You have a uniquely special calling on your life, and it is your duty to discover it and walk in it. You're not designed to be someone you're not designed to be. Did you get that? You're not designed to be someone that you're not designed to be. So there once was a man who netted three trout from a mountain stream and carefully placed them side by side on a thick patch of grass. Any fishermen here? Fisher ladies? Nobody? No fisher ladies or fishermen? Before he removed... That's another thing I don't do either. Jigsaws and fishing. Oh, my gosh. 
Before you remove them from the water, they were like a liquid ballet in motion. Fluid, graceful, vibrant, alive. Have you seen fish in a pond or something? Aren't they so graceful? You know, the, the carp and whatever. They're lovely to watch, not to catch. After he netted them, it was another story. As the trout lay on the grass, they were motionless. Their eyes were fixed, they were gasping for air, and they looked and acted pretty stupid. The man noticed they seemed unhappy, so he talked to them, hoping that this encouragement would change them. Little fish, don't be sad. You're like the grass. Just try it out for a while. No movement, no response, no change. A few more seconds passed and the man's neighbour walked by. Hey, Bob, come and check out these fish. Bob went over and the man explained that he was certain the fish could adjust. I'm sure they can prosper here on the grass. Don't you agree? Why not, Bob replied. So he also tried to tell the fish it would be good if they learned to be like the grass. After all, we like the grass. Why can't they be like grass? Still, the fish didn't blink. They just lay there, looking dumber by the second. Finally, a little boy approached, exclaiming, what are you doing? Put them back. They can't be all they've been created to be when they're out of the water. Finally convinced, the man carefully placed each fish back into the stream. After splashing for a split second, all three swam away effortlessly. Again, it was like a liquid ballet. What ease, what grace, what beauty. At that moment, the man realised that no matter how long the fish lay there, they would never adjust to the grass. I would never be satisfied. No matter how he or anyone else told them otherwise, even if the fish tried to convince themselves that they could learn to live like grass, they never would, and they would never prosper. In fact, they would eventually die. You see, you cannot be someone you are not. You have been created with a specific purpose that God has given you before creation and before time. So, a few things about purpose. Your purpose is your purpose. Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you. Yeah, the plans I have for you. Not the plans I have for somebody else which you can copy. The plans I have for you. So if you're a stay-at-home mum, then don't feel guilty about being a stay-at-home mum. You should, oh, I should be doing more for God. Neither does it mean that if you're not in ministry that you've got to run out and become a missionary in Africa tomorrow. Mm. Remember, God has called you to fulfill whatever vocation or purpose he has called you to be. A young woman asked her father how he likes his new iPad. She gave him, that she gave him for his birthday. Good, he says. But then she watched him use his iPad as a cutting board and chopped in vegetables on it and was horrified when she started swilling it under the tap. You have a purpose that is your purpose. Yeah? So don't do that at home, by the way. Okay? So your purpose is your purpose. Secondly, it's not just about you. It's about what God wants to do through you. If we don't fulfill our purpose that God has for us, we don't just miss out on what God has for us, we miss out on being a gift to others. You see, your purpose is not just about you. It's about many people that God wants to influence and help through you. It's okay to imagine. Albert Einstein said, your imagination is your preview of life's coming attractions. And in 1950, author Napoleon Hill, are you impressed? Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness for Google, that's all I say. 
The imagination is literally the workshop wherein you fashion all plans created by man. You see, God is the creator and he has blessed us with minds to create through the power of imagination. Now, don't get me wrong. We can't use our imagination to manipulate things in our lives. So we can't just imagine winning the lottery and hey-ho, we win the lottery. God is far too sovereign for that because God has a plan. But imagination is a tool. What do I mean by that? Imagination diminishes and eliminates the perception of obstacles. If you can imagine, when you imagine things, you don't imagine the obstacles, do you? If I imagine winning the lottery, I don't imagine, well, actually, I haven't bought a ticket. and I, You don't imagine that, but you just imagine the end goal, don't you? And in fact, me and Fiona spent hours planning if we'd won the lottery, what we would do with it. Have you ever done that? Yeah, and you work out, oh, I give them this, I give them that, and you end up, and then you work out the interest and whatever, and way, I'm rich. Your imagination can do so much. In 1 Samuel 17, the height of Goliath is mentioned in cubits. Some people believe it to be nine foot nine, but obviously the fact that it's mentioned means he was huge, yeah? But because David was consumed with his God-given purpose to slay Goliath, he imagined what it'd be like to take the giant down. And as a result, he was excited. He shouted and mocked the enemies and proclaimed God's name. Therefore, he was not intimidated by the apparent obstacle of Goliath's size. You see, when you imagine the possibilities of your purpose, of what God has called you to do and what it can eventually um, result in, you will, I, you will not notice the obstacles that become small. They just become insignificant. And your courage and your faith will increase. So it's good to imagine. Fourthly, this is the negative bit, you are going to be criticised. Ever since you were small, someone's been telling you what you can't do. Isn't it? Your mother would say, don't walk down the middle of the street. Your father would tell you not to ride your bike without stabilizers. And what do the teachers always say? Don't run in the corridors. You can tell the person who's still in school. We can't remember, see, because we're too old. During life, there are hundreds of people who not only tell us what we can't do, but what we can't accomplish. You can't be a chemist. You're not smart enough. <laughs> you can't be a professional singer. You don't look the, the, the uh, part. No way can you be a teacher. You've got no patience, yeah? People just box us in constantly. So sadly, many of these type of comments, don't, they come from a place of jealousy and resentment, disguised a lot of the time, as coming from a place of concern and goodwill. You see, when Fionn, uh, as you know, she plays football, when she was spotted for Bristol City, the majority of people were like, that is a fabulous achievement at 14 or whatever she was, brilliant. But there were a handful of people who were, oh, you can't do that. Look at the commitment. Look how far it is. Look, you have to finish school early, a school. And it was coming out of goodwill and concern. But we, can you imagine what would have happened had we listened to those voices? Yeah? She is now an international football player because we didn't listen to those voices. We went with what we believed was God's purpose for her. We helped her, and she is where she is now. So you will be criticised. Throughout scripture, men and women who are called to do something significant for God experience criticism. When Moses led the children of Israel through the desert, he cried out to God many times because those who followed him blamed him and criticised him. Noah's neighbours laughed and mocked him while he built the ark. Paul was labelled as overzealous, unimpressive and insincere. 
Every one of the disciples were criticised, and with the exception of John, were criticised right up until their deaths. But the good thing, remember, if God is for you, oh, come on. If God is for you, so why do we worry about criticism? Next, you may have to take a detour. I know how frustrating it is. You know when you're on, when, often when we were coming back from Bristol with, with football training, it was late at night, and obviously she's only 14, we'd left school early, coming back at night. The number of times we had to take a detour because they closed the M4 to do roadworks. How annoying is that when you're trying to get home? But sometimes in the purpose of God, you have to take a detour. In Genesis, God showed Joseph through dreams that his brothers would bow down and worship him. It wasn't until many, many years later, after being sold into slavery, I mean, I hope your detour isn't like this, yeah, <laughs> like Joseph's. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. He served Potiphar for 10 years, then thrown into prison for two years because Potiphar's wife accused him of raping her. Then he became prime minister of Egypt and Joseph's brothers finally did do what the dream said and ended up bowing down to Joseph. And you know how the story finishes. Scripture reveals that God had his hand on Joseph, though, all the way through that detour. Remember, fulfilling your God-given purpose is a journey. It's a process which includes preparation and delays. But God is never in a hurry. He's always in control and is completely able to get you where you need to go, complete what he has begun. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, being confident of this. If you're confident, you... If you're confident in something, you know. You know. Know is the word I'm looking for. If you are confident in something, you know it's going to happen. And being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion. It may take time. Your purpose may take time. Are you longing for God to do something? Has God revealed your purpose already and you're just eager to get there? You're eager to get to your purpose and to start outliving it? You see, I got two dogs. Now, my dogs are my dogs. They love, they love me, i got to say, more than the rest of the family, which, to be honest, is rather cute. i got to be honest, I do like it. So when I go out, they come running out to the hallway and their tails are wagging, tails are wagging. And as I close the door, they suddenly realise she's going without us. And their tails stop, go down, and they just stand there looking at me like this, as if, like, I cannot believe you're going out without me. Then they go off and do their own thing. And I know that because by the time I come back, the cushions are all over the floor. So they've clearly played on my sofa and all their toys are out and they're stuffing everywhere. So they've clearly done their own thing. But if I'm out that little bit too long... When I come back, I can see their shadows in the door. They've come to the door and they're like, right, we've had enough now. Mam should be back. I'm going to sit by the door. They went, so they're lying by the door. When they see a car pull up, they stand up. So this is the routine every time. They stand up. Somebody's here. When they realise it's me, they then jump off the floor to about this height. Up and down, up and down, barking, up and down, up and down. And when I open the door, they are all over me. I can't, if I've got shopping bags, I'm like, yes, because they're jumping on my shopping bags. They can't wait to have a cutch. Mum is home. But I believe that's how God wants us to wait. We need to wait knowing that something good is going to happen. It's in God's time. It's in God's way, but it is something good that's going to happen. 
And we have to be fully convinced that he is working behind the scenes. Isaiah 30 says, blessed are all who wait on him. So that's a couple of things about purpose. Let me check my timer. Can't get it on. So those are a couple of things about purpose. So you're probably thinking, okay, that's fair enough. I get all that. How do I find my purpose? So first of all, you need to pray. Let's start with the obvious. You need to pray. If you feel purposeless, ask God to give you wisdom and direction. James 1 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let, let him ask God, who gives generously. Don't you love people who give generously? God gives generously to all those without reproach, and it will be given him. That's incredible good news, isn't it? Philip talked about good news last week. That's incredible good news. God wants to give you a purpose. He wants to bestow divine wisdom on you. It's not like God is holding out on you to make you miserable. He desires that you have a joyful, ambitious, prosperous life. So ask God, pray, ask God for a purpose and reveal his purpose and expect him to give it to you. Secondly, read God's word. The primary way God speaks to us is through the Bible. This means that one of the first things you should do in your search for God's purpose is to start digging into scripture. Now, you won't find a verse that says, become a dance instructor, or, you know, I have bestowed you the gift of painting, go and be an artist. You won't find verses like that at all. But you will begin to understand the heart of God for you. Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You see, God's word, the Bible, brings light to our path that otherwise seem dark. And in the Bible, you learn how to live wisely in God's world, which is the first step towards finding your purpose. Thirdly, listen to your dissatisfaction. We've been taught to believe that dissatisfaction is a bad thing and that we should do everything possible to be satisfied. And I think sometimes Philippians 4, where it says, I learn to be content, is sometimes kind of taken out of context a bit. And if you're kind of showing any dissatisfaction in anything, it's like, oh, learn to be content. But contentment is who you are. Satisfaction is how we feel dissatisfaction if acted upon can bring about huge change and is maybe the way God is showing you your purpose and your direction Emmeline Pankhurst anybody know who she was oh well done wasn't satisfied she formed and led a group known as the suffragettes who back in the late 19th century early 20th century fought to win British women the right to vote amen Andrea William Wilberforce. Anybody know who William Wilberforce is? He wasn't satisfied with how humans were being treated by other humans. We campaigned against slavery and helped outlaw slavery in Great Britain in 1833. Martin Luther King. He wasn't satisfied. He was a Baptist minister and he wasn't satisfied with how blacks were being treated in the southern states of the United States and campaigned and campaigned and got it changed. Nelson Mandela, he wasn't satisfied. He dedicated his life to the fight against apartheid, a policy which kept black and white South Africans apart and denied black citizens the vote. He got it changed. Gandhi wasn't satisfied. He led a peaceful protest and negotiated with the British government for years and eventually got India its independence. Ben Cooley. Anybody know Ben Cooley? Not as famous as the others. Well, I don't know. Yet, yeah. He wasn't satisfied. He's a friend of ours. 
He first heard about lives devastated by human trafficking when he was 29 and having just had a baby girl was almost imagining, use the imagination coming in, imagining what that life of his daughter would be if she was trafficked. And he started a charity called Hope for Justice, which is now making massive differences throughout the world with human trafficking and sex uh, slavery. Evangelist Everett Swanson, anybody know who that is? He wasn't satisfied. He travelled to South Korea during the Korean War to preach the gospel to the troops in the Republic of Korean Army. While he was there, he sees the horrible conditions in which many orphaned and abandoned children live and die and wasn't satisfied. 18 months later, Compassion International was birthed. What stirs you? What are you dissatisfied with? Is that where God is calling you? Next, listen to others. Proverbs 11 says, Where there is no guidance, a person falls, but in abundance of counsellors, there is safety. This does come with a government health warning. Uh, warning okay? There are times, however, you shouldn't listen to what other people say, because what they're saying, as we said before for, with the criticism, isn't coming out of right motives. Your counsellors should be people you trust. It needs to be people who've got your back and want the best for you. You want wise counsellors to help you find God's purpose for you. One of my closest friends lights up when she talks about mentoring young women. She has a tremendous business sense as well. So I suggested perhaps that's where God wants her to start, start a mentoring organisation, help young girls. And when I said that to her and shared my thoughts with her, she says, you know, I've heard that from lots of people. So just as dissatisfaction can be a roadside to what God wants you to do, listening to what other people say about you can also be the same. So when someone notices or comments on your talents, take note. God may be using them to tell you something that you need to be getting involved in. When what they say about us agrees with our passions internal convictions, giftings, and what God has already maybe revealed to you, it can be a solid indication of a God-given purpose. Next, listen to your gifts. Have you ever considered your talents and gifts? Do you get a kick out of football? Did you get that? Nobody laughed then. Come on. Come on, church. Do you get a kick out of football? Are you a, oh, too late now. I'm not bothering. I'm not putting any more jokes in. Are you a strategic thinker? Are you a great listener? Can you motivate others to actions? Are you skilled at building things? Lego? No, not Lego. I suggest making a list of things and activities that you're good at. What is the one thing you're better at than anything else? Maybe that's a clue to what God is giving your purpose to be. The gift God gives us are like little seeds planted in us. But for them to grow, we have to use them. So if you're good with children, try serving in kids' church. If you're good at cooking, get in the kitchen, because I ain't. Yeah, take over. My gosh, I'll poison everybody. If you're good at talking to people, then get on the outreach team, on our host team. Use your gifts that God has given you. Next, listen to your passions. If I could ask you what makes you angry, are you thinking about it? What makes you happy? What makes you excited? What makes you passionate? Take note of when your emotions are moved. These are times that can be a sign of God's given purpose. You know, I absolutely hate, and the kids used to say, what are you reading that book for? Because I, I read a lot of books about 
you know, true stories about booze kids and, and different things like that. And the whole thing with the compassion, you know, I got inv- heavily involved in the compassion. And thanks to you guys, you know, we sponsor over 70 children now. Because it absolutely breaks my heart, talking about passions, breaks my heart when I see kids starving on the TV, not being able to have simple medication, not being able to, to just have clean water. It breaks my heart. Now, is my purpose to go to Africa, give everything, my, my, or t- drag my family to Africa? No. But it breaks my heart, and there is a purpose there that I can do something from here. So I've got involved in compassion. I'm an advocate for compassion. And like I said, through you, we have sponsored over 70 children, which is great. I also hate, you know, the whole hope for justice thing. The thought of young girls at 12 and 13 being snatched from their family and used as, as, as sex slaves. That just kind of it kills me, kills me. And, you know, what is God pulling you towards? What hurts you? What excites you? What makes you happy? What makes you sad? That could be an indication of what God is pulling you towards in your purpose. And lastly, trust God. Trying to discover your life purpose can be stressful. It's an overwhelming sometimes. It can seem such a big, confusing, frustrating subject. You want to move forward, but you don't know how. You don't know where. You want to find your purpose, but you find that you're just aimlessly wandering. Proverbs 3 says, as is very famous, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, your gifts, your passions, what other people are saying. Everywhere you go, he's the one that will keep you on track. You see, you may be confused, but God isn't. So in conclusion, in one sense, you are always living God's purpose. God is God and he works all things, including your life, according to his purpose. Nothing can happen without God ordaining it. Psalm 57 says, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. This is key in understanding God's purpose for your life. God has numbered your days. Like I said, I hope mine are in excess of 100, and will fulfill every purpose he has for you. However, our choice and actions also really matter. We can choose to do things that brings us into the purpose of God, but equally, we can choose to do things that will take us further away. You know, this little cup, you might be, at the moment, still in that position. You might not truly know God and so your life is upside down turned the wrong way things aren't going right you can't can't seem to get to where you need to be you're not happy you're not fulfilled maybe your first step is just to come to God and say God you know what I don't want to be like this anymore I don't want to be an upside down cup and saucer anymore I don't want to be a back to front cup and saucer anymore I want to stand firm I want to know you and I want to be the person you have created me to be. And maybe that's why you're unhappy and unfulfilled. Maybe you're unhappy and unfulfilled and are just wandering around because you've done this, you've accepted God into your life and you've turned yourself the right way up, but you're still trying to make a bolognese when really you should be holding a cup of tea. So maybe you need to say this morning to God, God, you know what? I'm so glad you've turned me the right way up. But I just want to hold a cup of tea. I want to be who you have created me to be. I'm not going to try and make a bolognese anymore. I'm going to try and hold that cup of tea. But I need your help. 
I'll finish with a quote from Buddha. Not your usual Sunday morning quotation, but um, I'll finish with a quote from Buddha. And what Buddha said is, your purpose in life is to find your purpose in life and give your whole heart and soul to it. So your mission, should you choose to accept it, and the choice is yours. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.